College football fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk good old-fashioned college football. Now, week nine, as we know, had a ton of ranked versus ranked matchups, and the result of most of that will be ranked teams losing, obviously. Uh, but beyond that, we did have a, a, a number 10 Wake Forest go down. Um, we had Syracuse, who was 16th, go down. Cincinnati finally lost to a, a non-ranked opponent. Um, newly ranked South Carolina went down to Missouri fairly handedly, 23-10. to 10. So we did get a variety of upsets in there. Um, obviously, Penn State pushed Ohio State all the way to the brink and that 15 and a half was the weirdest 15 and a half cover that you could possibly have almost because it looked like it was in the bank late like eight minutes left of that game it still looked in the bank then all of a sudden like three straight touch it, it was just wild pick six is like okay there it goes oh they got to drive oh they're going to score or oh, they're going to cover uh tennessee really never had a problem with kentucky Michigan kind of played with Michigan State. There was uh, a brawl in the hallway. You know that old saying, if you can't beat them, beat them up, I guess. I don't know. I guess maybe that's not how that saying goes. TCU keeps it going. Not a great defense, but a great offense, and they just know how to win. That was on the road against West Virginia. Very tight game. Um, Kansas State, with the backup Howard, we talked about how there's not a whole lot of drop-off. My goodness gracious, they just whooped Oklahoma State's butt. I couldn't believe uh, that score. But obviously for Week 10, I mean, the marquee matchup of marquee matchups, number one Georgia versus number two Tennessee. Right now, uh, Georgia is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at home. They opened that 11. It got down to eight, and now it looks like it's going back up. Oklahoma State, Kansas, kind of an interesting matchup there. Alabama, LSU would normally be the, the marquee of the marquee matchup. Alabama's a 13-point favorite there. Kind of scratching our head, Marshall and I, at this Texas-Kansas State spread. We'll talk about that, um, you know, in a variety of ways here on the College Ball Show. But we're going to go against the spread Um just some quality games. There are a lot of single-digit uh, point spreads, meaning there should be some tight games. Uh, you know, down the wire, we'll talk about possible upsets and just overall betting line banters here on the College Ball Show. If this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropadope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Ropadope. Uh, and download the show directly there or listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find this year College Ball Show under the Rope-A-Dope radio platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Spricker, Stitcher, TuneIn, um, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and a variety of other uh, platforms where the show is available under the Rope-A-Dope radio. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. It's the best of live TV and on demand. There's no annual contracts. There's no hidden fees. Uh, you get to enjoy uh, regional sports networks, which, uh, you know, is becoming harder and harder in this day and age on cable. The prices start as low as $49.99 for a limited time. That's two months, $49.99. They'll lock it in. And if you decide on the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of Showtime, Stars, Cinemax, and Epics. That's $160 savings. Direct TV stream. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in Marshall into the fold. And uh, that was the, that Penn State game was crazy how it just got out of hand really quick. And like I said, that plus 15 and a half. I thought that was long gone once I saw the the pick six, uh, Marshall. But somehow, some way, Penn State had a long run and got back into the game. Forty four to thirty one, they lose. But um, they had much like you know it was it was a full half in a little bit of the the third quarter where they looked really good against Michigan State. Then just got ran out of the building. Well, they extended it into the fourth quarter. Then they got ran out of the building. 
Yeah, and Ohio State kind of, you know, the, their offense was was really kept in check. You you they, you allowed ten three and three, which is actually is pretty damn good defense against an Ohio State offense. Who a lot of people get a lot of props this year, more so based on last year and player projections for NFL futures. But yeah, if you were Penn State, you you were sitting pretty good there, Chris. You you probably had to be pretty optimistic. But I think what really did it in. It was when you look at the box score and you see Clifford had three picks that it's hard to win when you're trying to upset, you know, a, a top 10 ranked team, not to mention number two team in the country at home. The, the three picks were really deadly because, as we mentioned, you know, the, the first three quarters, you're sitting good. You're playing good at halftime. You're up one um, going to the fourth quarter. You're only down two. like, you know, you're sitting good. And then that um, Ohio State offense caught fire. Um Again, the picks themselves were not the best. Um, but one reason that Penn State continues to kind of just play good football is they have two really good running backs. And when you have two really good running backs, you can kind of control the time of possession in the game and, and the ground game. That kind of gives you a good chance. So um, I know that Ohio State necessarily didn't let those running backs run wild. But for kind of like an offensive nucleus, like Penn State, they got a pretty good squad. Uh, unfortunately, Clifford... Again, even though he threw for 371, those three turnovers kind of did him in there. And, yes, if you bet the game, which I, I didn't bet that one, that was a pretty emotional roller coaster swing of depending who you chose as to who was going to cover and who wasn't going to cover it. I heard, yeah, I heard some people talking about that one. That one kind of got, got a little crazy at the end. But that was one emotional sweat I did not have to take part of over this past weekend. Yeah, and if you look at, you know, Michigan State ran ruckus over like 400-plus yards. And Ohio State, even though, you know, their second-best back, maybe they have two good backs too. One of them got hurt pretty early. But they weren't able to do as much running. Now, at the end, they did have that explosive run that that closed it out. But basically, in a six-minute span, four TDs, it was just just wild. And that linebacker, JT, um Tulamola, or I forgot how to say his name, but I mean, two sacks, two INTs, pick six on what looked like a screen pass, forced fumble, fumble recovery, uh, eight tackles, three of them for law. I mean, this dude was just all over the place. Um, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. had 10 catches for buck 85. They do have other, you know, uh, wide receivers stepping up, no doubt, even though they're top guy going into this year has still not quite found uh, his groove. A lot of that had to do with injury, but yeah, man, it, it looked really, really bad there for a second, but somehow a nice run kind of set up Penn state. And next thing you know, you know, it, it, it we're in good uh, Ohio state, Clemson, Georgia, TCU, Michigan, and Tennessee are the remaining undefeated teams um it'll be really interesting to see tomorrow night when they uh, do the first playoff committee rankings should be really really interesting there um tennessee did not have have any problems with kentucky 44 to 6 uh we were just talking off air before we hit record saying a lot of their heavy work as far as getting to the playoff as long as they don't mess it up a lot of their heavy work is done. I mean, if they beat Georgia, it's a wrap. They're, they're going to get into the playoff, even if they were to, you know, lose to Bama in the conference final or something like that. Um, TCU, Marshall, found a way, grinded it out, 41-31 against a, a scrappy West Virginia team. Uh, we could talk about that one. And also, Kansas State just walloped Oklahoma State. Didn't see this coming. We, we felt comfortable Kansas State would win, but 48-0, to zero, my goodness gracious. Okay, so a stat for you. Um, that is the biggest – let me get this right. Um, the biggest blowout of a top-10 ranked team to be shut out and, and lose by 40 points – since 1963 Cal. Again, it was the first time in over 50 years that a top 10 ranked opponent got shut out and lost by over 40 points. I mean, 
when K-State started that game, you're thinking, okay, like they're off to a good start. But they, they never took their foot off the gas. Maybe they took their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. But, man, what an absolute beatdown. And all I can do, really, is continue to look back and say, you know what, Spencer Saunders, you cost me in the Big 12 title game last year. I still have not forgot it. And tough stuff, go kick rocks. So when, when I saw the score, I'm like, ah, you know what, I'm not an Oak State guy. I didn't think that was going to happen, but I'm not going to feel pain because I didn't bet Oak State, and I'm still bitter over last year for no good reason. But, hey, to give credit to K-State, dude, if it wasn't for maybe your – second-string quarterback getting dinged up last week for, like, three series, which were, like, a pick, a fumble, and a bad quarterback sneak. Like, they could have beat – that K-State team's having a hell of a year. Even with their back quarterback, who was their, one of their guys last year, like, they're on a pretty good roll. Um, so credit to them, that was a huge win. Um, now they're actually ranked uh, 13th back in the polls, Chris, so they moved up nine spots this week. And your only losses you have were Tulane, which actually looking back is not a bad loss because Tulane's actually ranked to have a nice year. And then you had a kind of a weird fluky game against TC where you were up 28 to 10. Now you got Texas, Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas. So there's a good chance that K-State uh, could finish the year three and one. And you're looking like, holy shit, who would have thought, Chris, that potentially the Big 12 title game this year could be TCU versus K State. Yeah, man, it, it is pretty wild. We were also talking about how it would be pretty nuts if Georgia, let's say Georgia beats Tennessee, and then Georgia beats, uh, let's just say, beats uh, Alabama in the big, uh, big, the uh, SEC championship. It would be pretty wild um, for the two losses. Bama doesn't have two losses many times anyway, let alone, you know, maybe at the end of the season if they lose the playoff game or something. But to lose to two SEC East teams, I'm not sure anybody would have thought that could happen. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, the Big 12 has been really exciting this this year so far. And, uh, you know, it, it's been fun. It's been a whole lot of fun. And Just for a – just for a fun water cooler talk, do you think there's any way either TCU or K-State could make the final four? Like, does a, does a TCU undefeated or a K-State run the table and beat TCU? Do you think either of those teams have a chance, or do you think there's too many blue bloods above them to even give them a shot? Oh, 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 sorry, I was looking at the conference record. No, you're right, K-State's out. But TCU, I, I would think that – even though the big twelve, the table, I think so. yeah, yeah, I think they got okay. Now, but man, man, and and if you are a TCU fan, you gotta be you gotta be on like your your fifth favorite bottle of whiskey, or you go through a twelve pack a week, Chris, because that team n- nothing's ever easy. And then people lost their damn minds this week because TCU was, I believe, minus eight and a half. They're up three with like 30 seconds in the game to go. They're like fourth and one on the West Virginia 26. So you could quarterback sneak it, you know, uh, you could run a play, you could kick a field goal to go up six. No, the hell, they chuck it, flag route end zone, touchdown, TCU wins by 10. And, oh, man, were there a lot of pissed off West Virginia fans, Chris. Because <laughs> West, West Virginia had the lead. They played and tight the whole game. You're thinking, okay, it's a fourth and one. Let's just, I bet TCU just, you know, runs out the clock and we're good. Nope. Chucking it deep. They cover. Maybe that Sonny Dykes knows what the point spread was and wanted to have some of his alumni backers cover. Maybe, man. Something. Something went on there. Um, as I mentioned, Wake Forest, as the, they were the highest seed uh, going against the unranked team that lost. Um, I lost money there. I did think I just I just I figured Louisville would be tough, but because they are sometimes at home. Um, but I just picked them outright. I didn't even mess with the spread, and uh, it was fourteen to thirteen and a half. You know, well, well, well on their way to a victory, and then they got outscored thirty-five to zero, and eight Wake Forest turnovers. And I believe they were all in the second half, if I remember correctly, with that stat. I mean, that was freaking ridiculous. Um, 
another top tier team, USC. 45 to 37. Arizona went out with a fight, no doubt about it. Williams had his back to back now, five touchdowns uh, games, um, second straight there. So that that's that's you know that's pretty big. UCLA, UCLA was able to bounce back on the strength of their running back, almost 200 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, you know they had come off their first loss. Ole Miss got a nice little dub against A and M, thirty-one to twenty-eight. Yes, sir. Uh, that freaking running back, thirty-four rushes, two hundred five, and a tutty Judkins, I think it is something like yep. that. Um, that was impressive. Uh, Illinois, you know, handled Nebraska. First seven-one start since two thousand one. And like I mentioned, Central Florida got a big win over ranks uh, Cincinnati. The first loss Cincinnati. Uh, had lost to an unranked team since 2018. That's 38 straight wins. Wow. That's, yeah, that's pretty That's pretty impressive, if I don't say so myself. Um, and it does feel like, uh, oh, by the way, Oregon, you know, put up big points, 42-24 to 24 over Cal. Um, seven straight games since they, they put up 40 points at least. Um, that's the longest streak. In FBS, Knicks had six total touchdowns. Um, so, you know, been good in the Pac-12, no doubt about it. Um, and, and like I said, Notre Dame is starting to round into shape. Yes, the Syracuse quarterback got hurt in the second. We do get that. But Notre Dame smashed Syracuse 41-24, to and they got a big game coming up, no doubt about it. What do you think about your uh, Missouri Tigers there, one of your squads there, uh, getting the dub on the road at a freshly ranked South Carolina? Well, you know, we didn't expect much out of South Carolina coming into the year. Like, they're a team that has been kind of an average status quo team for the last handful of years. But... When you when you beat two ranked teams in a row, you're going to get a little bit of hype. Um, they did beat a Kentucky team without the Kentucky starting quarterback, and then you did beat a Jimbo Fisher team, which I don't know what that really says about you. But nonetheless, maybe they got a little overconfident. And Missouri came in, and to give Missouri credit, their defense is, is pretty darn good this year. They're not elite, but they're respectable and good, and they have a, a really good kicker. And the combination of that got the job done. I still cannot stand that coach. I think Drinkwitz is just – I've just never really liked kind of how he calls his offensive game plan. I think he's a bad coordinator, but that's just my two cents. But nonetheless, uh, being able to talk about Missouri on this podcast, maybe for the second or third time all year, Max, is a good feeling. Like, hey, you I went mean, in. The beat Georgia too. You know, that they, was kind well, of payback for that. Like, hey, yeah. man, we should have done that. At least we got a nice little win here. Yeah, and again, in that def- in that game, the defense did their part and, and really made Georgia, up until like the last two possessions of that game, uh, Georgia kind of broke through. But And then, then I realized Georgia has like three tight ends that are all like the size of Antonio Gates. Like that shit's nuts. But, hey, yeah, good one for Mizzou. That, that's a program that's really last four or five years has been struggling. And, take, hey, if you beat a ranked team on the road, that, that's something to build off of. Uh, you do got Tennessee in two weeks, so have fun with that. Uh, but, yeah, hey, a good one from Mizzou. And like I said, we haven't talked about them much at all this year. So um, I'm happy they got the job done. I would just wish that the head coach would let someone else call offensive plays. <laughs> and I, was, I was eyeing that Washington State, Washington State Cougar line. I think it closed at seven and a half or eight. I, I didn't pull the trigger. I just eyed it. Um, didn't, Are you looking for Cougars like Zach Wilson? Was there some kind of joke I missed say, in there? I didn't, give, I didn't give the Cougars my number. I didn't shoot my shot. I, I sat on the sidelines and just <laughs> went home. And you know, well, we won't get into that. But twenty-one to seventeen, and, and you know, so they would have they would have covered as the underdog. But they didn't even have Utah. Didn't even have their number one quarterback. So that really threw me for a loop. NC State gets by Virginia Tech by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin, 22-21. East Kakalaka, yeah, I said it. East Kakalaka beats BYU. We talked yes, sir. About that game. Uh, you know, that we talked about that exact game. Um, and Paid some also, bills of that. Yep. And then uh, Arkansas kept it going. 
beat Auburn so bad that I guess they uh, let go of their head coach, uh, which is not a big shocker. What is this? Is this his second year or third year? Um, just a, just the second year, but you you've been hearing chaos from that 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 program has been in shambles since he's been there. So it's not surprising, but it does suck as a fan base to lose your coach like kind of just past midway of the season. Like that's obviously not ideal for any program. No, you're right. It's not. And if you look at the amount of payouts that they have, uh, you know, in the last two firings, it's like wow, man, you guys got your. Uh, he has got a lot of payouts uh, for Gus in him now. Um, dude, Miami and Virginia Tech. Right now, Miami is struggling so bad. It's like that plus two for Virginia. I was saying take it. As it turns out, they actually at least got your money back. They pushed, but they didn't reach 10 combined points. Or, I'm sorry, did not reach 10 combined yards in two overtimes. Uh, on to the third quarter was a tw- or third o- overtime was a tweet that I thought was pretty damn funny, but an ugly game. You know, you take the wins as they come, but that was a freaking uh, ugly, ugly game. Just so we know, where is that number, the payouts? Uh, oh, yeah, Gus. So Auburn for Harrison and, and Melzon. Auburn will pay out around $37 million to buy out two head coaches since 2020. Um, so, yeah, they got, they, got, they got a little payout to do. You know, no big deal. Um, you know, it is what it is. We'll see. A lot of – I mean, there's some programs that uh, you just wonder, like, is Kansas State going to hold on with a couple coaches out there? You're gonna... Probably gone. My guess would be they're probably gone. I was kind of surprised that Baylor just smacked up Texas Tech, especially at home. 35 to 17, didn't see that one coming. Um, my Gophers did get off the schneid. They've been on a losing streak. They, they took care of Rutgers, just ran the ball a lot, 31 to 0. Let's see how they close. Hey, how about that former Gopher coach, sir? Jerry Kill, taking care of business for the boys. Yes, sir. Is that 7 and 2 now? 7 and 2. We are bowl eligible. Let's go. 7 and 2 on the crafty, crappy pick of the week. And everybody uh, that listens to the show on a weekly basis know what we're talking about. But if not, stay tuned. We close the show with the crafty, crappy pick of the week. My co host Marshall just picks the worst fucking game out there, and I try to make some sense of it. And we're seven and two. The last few years it's been about a seventy seventy percent clip. Seven and two this year. Just fi- figured I'd uh, uh, re-, re you know say that again. Anyway, Does Hawaii you know, make it three weeks in a row? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I know the kickoff's gonna be like ten forty five or ten fifty five at night central. So. Um, any other items before we jump, you know, head first into this week ten stuff? Uh, not, not really. Um, speaking of buyouts, I guess my last note would, well, actually two things. They'll be done. Um, the buyouts of coaches, man, not really, but I got seven things. (laughs) Uh, the, the buyout for Jimbo Fisher after this year will be 86 million. So you're probably not going to pay out that 86 mil, but man, if you're an A&M Aggie fan or alumni or a, a booster, dude, what the hell? Like, going into the season, Chris, people were saying, like, it's them and Bama. You know, they're going to be fighting for it. And, and now you're, I mean, geez, well, I don't. If the game was Bama, A&M would have a pretty good record. True. They, they, they do play Bama tight. Like, they're a national contender. <laughs> but, but you dropped the ball in South Carolina. You had um, the reports of players in the lock, locker room smoking before the game, like smoking the good old green stuff. Uh, well, you've kicked them off the team. Cigars, I guess, but. I, well, yeah, well, victory cigars in Tennessee. But yeah, smoking marijuana, getting guys kicked off the team. What an absolute mess. And again, not an Aggies fan, but just for the money you've paid the guy, you would expect in, in, in his brief stint there that they would be contending for maybe not to beat Bama, but to be a top two or three team in your conference. But no, you, you're, man, that you can't get rid of it, but you better hope I mean, that. The recruits they've brought in, they should be a better team than Hundred percent right, and and his and his uh his quarterbacks he's brought in too are just been shitty, dude. It's like dude, you get transfers and you still can't do it. Like look at the first year that uh what's his toes at LSU is there? Boom, brings in a good 
you know, yeah, good transfer quarterback. Like, I just don't understand. Well, I can understand it because they're probably like, dude, I don't want to be in that fucking system. No, but I want it, to go there. You know, yeah, it's a pro style offense, but you're not. It's like pro in the 1990s style offense. You know? <clears throat> yeah, and my other uh, fun note as we transition into the next week is just that the fact that. The Pac-12 has kind of been a, a joke for our, especially for our college basketball podcast for the last, well, for the most part, for the last 10 years. Uh, but, hey, for college football, right now in the top 10, Oregon in the AP poll, Oregon 8, USC 9, UCLA 10. I don't know the last time the three teams in the Pac-12 were all ranked in the top 10. And just the fact that any AP of those teams, AP, AP yeah, and in the coaches poll, Oregon is eight, USC is nine, UCLA is 11 with my boy Lane Kiff in their top 10. Shout out to Old Miss. But just the fact that you have three teams from the Pac-12. Well, 15 in the committee rankings, that's something. Well, well, shit, and Utah's 12. So you have four of the top 12 teams in the country. Like, that is a progressive stance for your, for your conference. Now, unfortunately, two of those top 12 ranked teams are both leaving ship shortly. Hey, in UCLA, USC. But just to give them credit, hey, it would be cool. I mean, I know, I know we've been seeing a lot of Bama Clemson for the last handful of years in the playoffs, and they've deserved it because they've been the best teams. But it would be cool to see uh, maybe a Pac-12 team might have a chance or maybe a TCU team to run the table. It, I just like to see the potential chance of some different blood making it. And, hey, if I bet if Oregon, USC, recently, if one of them runs the table, Chris – there's a good discussion, a good chance that, hey, they could actually make the Final Four, which, again, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, the Pac-12 have done really well this year so far. Uh, Big 12 has had just some really – they've had the best matchups, I mean, obviously. And then, like you said, the Pac-12. Could you, could you imagine this, though, just for a kick, and then we can get to the next week, is that let's say Oregon makes the Final Four, and then you got – Bo Nix facing Georgia, Bama, Tennessee. It's like, dude, I left this bleeping conference. I wanted to start a new life. I go to Oregon. I get to the Final Four, and bam, right back to the ghosts of the SEC for Bo Nix. Well, I'm pretty sure he got a good taste of the SEC in week one. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think Bo Nix wants to face Georgia in the Final Four. Or like Oregon's back. Pac-12 is back, baby. They can win out, but I just don't see him making it because you just can't get manhandled like that. That that well, I mean, what would you make that spread? Oh, what, what, when you played there earlier, what was the foul score? Oh, it was like fifty-six to seven or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So, but I don't know. Yeah, shout out to the Pac-12 making progress, and UCLA and USC's hyping their uh, draft stock before they shipped uh, conferences to make Big Ten even more uh, appetizing. And if you thought USC and UCLA. Uh, for basketball, UCLA more so, but now that they looks like they're on the up and up uh, on football now. Got a, a really solid head coach, obviously. He just, mm-hmm. the first year, he's really been making noise, uh, you know, ever since he was with Oregon. But um, imagine the recruiting. Like, those teams have lost out. Well, 2014 was the last time. Oregon, 2014 was the last time they made a, you know, the, it was the That's the last time any Pac-12 has even stiffed. Oh, the, yeah, the it, yep. But um, yeah, I mean, it's if you look at some of the recruits they've lost out because they want to go to the SEC and the Big Ten. Sure, it's going to get really scary. And and USC is like they can recruit no matter you know usually no matter what. Obviously, when they have an elite coach, they're going to recruit. But knowing that they're going to be in the Big Ten. They can play it right now. A freshman can come here. Be like, I'm going to the Big Ten in a year, dude. So we're good, you know. So yep. that's really going to help both those teams. And by the way, Pac-12, uh, you know, kudos to this year so far. But you guys lost out on beating the Big Twelve to a uh, media rights deal. The, the Big Twelve agreed to a new six-year uh, media rights deal with ESPN and Fox through 2031. Uh, it's worth $2.3 billion, 380 a year, $380 million a year. Um, and if you look at, you know, add in the college football playoff, NCAA revenue, Big 12 revenue will add $50 million 
uh, per school despite losing Oklahoma and Texas. Right now it's $42 uh, million a year with those. Uh, but that that's a huge, huge deal. And we've heard that there's a good chance that Utah and, and maybe some other teams from the Pac-12 will come over uh, to the Big 12 because they already got the four coming in once those two leave. And it could be – I mean, we kind of looked at it, basketball and football, that that's still a conference that's going to stand up and be a damn good conference uh, in both of those sports. And so they got to be looking up and up. Now we've also heard the other chunk of the Pac-12, um, you know, like Stanford and Oregon and whatnot, um, that they might be headed to the Big Ten. So – We'll see where the Pac-12, you know, goes from here. But let's get into this Week 10 schedule. And obviously, there really is no other place to start than Ohio State versus Northwest. Oh, wait, hold on. Number one, Georgia, defending their national championship. Not really. But they are uh, the number one team in the land as far as we're going to find out tomorrow night if they're number one. But eight-and-a-half-point spread over Tennessee, who now has Tillman back in the fold. He had four catches last week, uh, a very uh, high-level wide receiver that it's crazy that they're averaging basically 50 damn points a game. And they haven't even had their quote-unquote heading into the season one of their best, if not their best, wide receivers. Um, it opened at like 11 it got down to eight. It looks like it's going back up to eight and a half. If it touches nine, I got to take it. I may still take it at eight and a half. But what says you about this? I mean, is this is this one of those games where it's just a matter of if Georgia can cover the spread or not? Or does Tennessee, should they be taken serious enough to say, hey, man, this is a 50-50 matchup. No matter what ESPN analytics say, right now they're giving them basically a 75 75- uh, percent chance to get the dub. Well, I think the question is, is that can can Georgia slow down Tennessee's offense? Um, they're averaging 50, 50 points a game, or they were up until their last week. So they're averaging at worst like forty seven, forty nine point four. Oh, okay. So they, they, yeah, they, they they slowed down a little bit versus Kentucky. Uh, but I mean, Hendon Hooker right now is your favorite to win the Heisman, and, and rightfully so. That offense is just putting up crazy numbers. That Hyatt, the dude who scored five touchdowns against Bama secondary, like I just I know that last year Georgia's defense was really good. I think we've seen that it's a little less talented than last year. Um, Which is, so you know, it should be right. Well, as it should be. Yeah, you had hundred percent. Right? Yeah. So I I mean I I think that the home field for Georgia's huge because I remember last year when I watched them play Arkansas. In that Arkansas-Georgia game, Arkansas couldn't get out of their own heads before the first quarter, and all of a sudden you're, you're down like 14-0 to and the game was a wrap. Like that, that, they, have, they have a great home field like Tennessee, maybe not like quite the size and quite the decibel level, but they have a great home field, and that's going to benefit them. But, again, can they slow this team down? And if you're Tennessee, their run defense is respectable. Their pass defense does suck based on numbers, but – I think they, they kind of work to the point where as long as we are respectable enough, our offense is going to win us a game. So I think, I think taking the eight points is a, is a pretty, I would call it a smart bet. Like, so just until, take the eight and a half right now and just be happy. Yeah, until someone slows that offense down. I'm not calling out for a Tennessee straight out win. Cause again, Georgia's, they got their, they got horses you on offense. Here first. Marshall calls for it. <laughs> um, again, that way. But again, speaking of Missouri, like you know, that, I, I watched that George. That's the most I've yeah. seen out of all the Georgia games. Their offense wasn't elite. I know it was at Mizzou, but I, the I think Florida game. I mean, it was a tight game until they, you know, got those two touchdowns and then cleared out. Yeah. So basically, what we noticed was again with Missouri and Florida, and all those were on the road, but like. Georgia's kind of been keeping lent teams linger around a little bit till the end of the second half, kind of fourth quarter. Like I don't, I don't see all of a sudden this massive beatdown out of nowhere coming up for which for which for Tennessee is the biggest game in over, I don't know, ten or fifteen years at least. Like you know, I'm, I'm sure both teams are going to be hyped for, it, but yeah. I 
I until again until we see a Tennessee team get slowing down, I think you take the points, and if they get beat down, I'll, I'll apologize on the podcast next week. Like, hey, you know they, that someone slowed them down offensively for once. But I think that you got a shooter's chance and a backdoor cover for Tennessee. Maybe they're down fourteen late, get touchdown, right, and lose by seven. I to say that exact thing. I trust that. Like I, but I do think if you're Tennessee, you still got to win. You got to get in the 40s. Like if Georgia can slow the game yeah. down, kind of grind at them, I think that kind of makes it an issue. Tennessee, but I mean, we've seen Tennessee dismantle Bama's defense. They dismantled LSU. They they've really not had a hiccup in offense at all. So I I don't think Tennessee's going to walk into Georgia and fall asleep and like get down 20 to zero. I I think that offense is too talented. Again, I don't think they'll slow them down, but. If you're giving me a better quarterback and a better offense, I'd be willing to roll the dice and take them with the points on the road. Yeah, I mean, this will be the sixth-ranked uh, team that Tennessee's faced at the time. Um, they both can run. It's crazy, but they both can run the shit out of the ball. I mean, there's really not a big difference there. 202 to 199.6, that's no big deal. Um, 353 through the air, Tennessee, but 328, that's what kind of – that's the thing. 328. It's like Georgia can, especially earlier in the year, they were passing like crazy. And giving up 300 yards a game is pretty damn rough. Um, I will say that. That is that is crazy. Um, now, you know, the passing yards, Georgia's only given up a buck 77, which is damn good, obviously. But, you know, how many great quarterbacks have they got, or even very good quarterbacks have they got against? Just not that many. So I'm with you. I think Georgia will win this game. But the more that I think about it, should I even wait till it goes nine? Because what if it goes back down to eight? Then you got to buy into stuff. So I, I, I'm with you. I think even if it comes down to a last-second touchdown, that they just sneak in there, uh, uh, you know, just because they can maybe seconds left get the onside to try to do it in desperation. We know how prevent defense can kind of turn into late games. I'm pretty confident. In fact, I think I'm going to take that eight and a half while I can, but I, I do think Georgia will win the game. Are you saying Georgia's going to win the game straight up? Uh, or do you, you know, or, or do you think Tennessee's going to win? I mean, because we're not really, doesn't feel like anybody's giving them a chance, um, but yet, you know, it was right around the same spread while it opened anyway with Bama, you know, and that's when we didn't even know for sure if Young was going to play. Now, obviously, Young and their quarterback are two different things, but I don't know. I, I think Tennessee has a legit shot to win this. Um, but to beat Georgia in Alabama in one season would be nuts and then at Georgia. So, uh, but, uh, but are you going to pick Georgia to win, though, just as far as how this goes? Uh I, uh, I, I would maybe bet a little bit on the money line for fun. I mean, there's some value in that bet. I, I wouldn't make the bet personally. I do think that – I think they can lose a very close, respectable game. And if you're Tennessee, just kind of looking forward to the future, Chris, for your potential playoff chance. Like, if you can lose the game but lose by, like, a field goal or or, or play a game to where the, the better – or not the betters, the, the voters and the coaches think you put up a good fight, like, you're still keeping yourself in that playoff chance. If you lose to Georgia, okay, cool. You you get second place in your division. Fine. Now you still have a great, great chance of going to the Final Four. If Georgia beats you 40 to 10, okay, kind of a different story. But even a, a Tennessee loss does not end your miracle season if it's at least a respectable game. I do think Georgia finds a way to win late, like they've been doing the fourth quarters. But again, just keep it respectable, and your dream season still lives on for Tennessee. Moving on to another SEC matchup, which usually, you know, in recent, like, last decade or so, has been one of, if not the marquee game, number six, Alabama, visiting LSU. It is at night, six and two LSU. Um, so they've picked up some steam, no doubt about it. Uh, back, well, at the, at the beginning of the second week. Of October, they got housed by Tennessee. They lost a really tight game to Florida State uh, to begin of the year. But other than that, they've tightened up. Uh, they had a really nice win against Old Miss. 
it does seem like, you know, they're, they're turning it around a little bit. Their run defense, uh, LSU, does have me scratching my head. 142, you know, that's a lot. Now, they, they have, you know, Tennessee can run the ball. We just talked about Ole Miss. That's what they do. Florida as well. So, some of, you know, some of that could be stat-driven, of course, that can kind of throw you off. But, um Hey, if you want to calm down the fan base, which I think they, they're calmed down a little bit. They're 15th in the country as far as we'll find out where, you know, they'll probably be at least top 20 next uh, or tomorrow. But 6-2, uh, and two, like I said, they've kind of contained it. Um, you know, what, what do you think? Do, do they have a chance here, or should we just go – or is it really just talking can they cover the 13th? <laughs> Well, first of all, I, I want to give you credit for uh, covering a Bama game that has a spread that is in double digits. Um, my co my co host uh, mocked me for suggesting to discuss the Texas Bama game or the Texas or the ba- Texas A&M Bama game, and both those came down to near field goals. Those are like twenty. <laughs> I, I know. I think it was twenty four and twenty two. So I got to give you a little bit of shit. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the main reason why you got to at least consider taking LSU is because. Alabama's secondary against good teams this year has really struggled. Besides the like almost 57-minute shutout against Mississippi State, but I think Saban kind of has their number, um, Texas threw like crazy on Bama until Hewers got hurt. Tennessee made Bama's secondary look really bad. Like I don't think that this Bama defense is built to win a huge rivalry game on the road by more than two touchdowns. And I, I'm I'm almost ninety percent sure. I remember watching this game last year where Bama was like a twenty four point favorite or around the twenties, I believe. And I remember going to a bar and that game in the fourth quarter, LSU was within like five or six going yeah, for it was a win. Scoring game, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So I, I just think that, and so that means it would have had to been at Bama last year. Okay, I I just think that that's way too many points for again for a defense that. And I know Tennessee might have the best offense in the country, so that's maybe a bad example. But against elite teams or high-level teams, that secondary has been trashed this year for for what Nick Saban's standards are. So can LSU make a couple plays in the air? Again, I I would assume they could. Now, Bama's probably going to score because that offense, when rolling, is pretty damn good. And a quarterback, to give him credit, in that Tennessee game here, in my respect, not that he didn't have it, but that dude was getting – Hit like if it was in the NFL, he would have had a bunch of personal fouls, but he kept getting up with a bruised shoulder and all. So I do think Bama scores on LSU's defense, but I do think that it's a rivalry game. You're giving me 13. I will gladly take the 13 with LSU because I think they'll make enough plays to make it fun. I think Bama wins the game, but they do not win by over 13 to win the spread. And someone's got to help out Daniels with rushing. (laughs) You know, like, the guy leads the team in rushing. Like, it's great that he's a playmaker, and that's phenomenal. But, sure, um, you know, usually you don't have a problem with the LSU running back. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, dude. Help the guy out. The guy, the guy, you know, like I said, he's leading the team by, like, 200 yards in rushing. He's got nine mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns, for Christ's sake. Only 12 and one. You know, he's only thrown one pick. But, um. Yeah, I think Daniels can make enough moves, though, you know, when the shit breaks down, to cover. I think, you know, obviously, we haven't, since 2019, we haven't talked about, you know, the real Death Valley and, you know, the where the dreams go to die and all that stuff. But uh, it's a real thing. They're going to be jazzed. I think they'll play them tough, like you said. And, and I am eyeballing that 13 points. But I, I do favor, um, of course, you know, Bama to get it done. Texas, here we go again. So, te- what, what what game was that? Was that Oklahoma State? What game were they favored by, like, six weeks ago? That uh, it was State? O- Oklahoma State because people thought Spencer Saunders was out. Right. He, so, he played like he was out last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, here we are. Kansas State having a damn good season. We know Howard's a damn good backup, maybe one of the best backups in the whole country, if we're being honest. Sure. Um. They just got done whooping that same team's ass, and uh, I mean whooping them, and, and here they are, a two-and-a-half-point underdog um, at home. I mean, what gives? What gives here? It's just 
the Longhorn brand name that just keeps having this happen? And should we jump on that two and a half? Because it's probably not going to go to to three and four, you'd assume. I I don't – what has Texas done? It's on the road. I mean, shit. Yeah, I I don't know what Texas has done to be a two-point favorite over over this team. This is a Texas team that lost on the road to Texas Tech. Like – and they ten, I, they're going to probably get a ten point lead and then give it up. Yeah, they they, they probably will. I, I I just I mean yeah they lost on the road Texas Tech they blew they blew a fourth quarter against Oklahoma State. I, I could Texas win the game? Sure, it, it's possible. They're they're a decent team, but for them to be favored at K State, I mean, maybe you could say that K State's off like an emotional high, but like. They're always one of those teams that they're pretty. They're just kind of that level-headed squad, and like, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that this is like a let down. I think they like whooped Oklahoma State's ass, but that wasn't maybe a game that like turned their season around. They, they probably, they, they were probably pissed off after the TCU loss. So, I, I just, I, I don't get the rationale there. I think that is the brand name of Texas, kind of, much like we've had the kind of brand name of Bama, kind of getting some love at times. For the, you can see in the point spread. At least they've deserved it. <laughs> sure. And, yeah. Well, yeah. And all the, coming through that door. Yeah. The, the, the people every year people have to say Texas is back. Well, when's the last? You know, I mean, again, they're having an okay year, but uh, to make them a road favorite against a team who is having just as good of a year as they are, or possibly better, um, yeah. I I can't I can't see why unless. There's some report that like Howard's out. Like I, I would definitely take K State and roll the dice, and I think they have over a 50% chance to win the game at home. So I would take the Wildcats and see what happens. Well, I know what it is. According to ESPN analytics, oh boy, so that is what's drawing crowd now. Utah. Okay, so Arizona hung with USC last week. I mean, hung. <laughs> not, not beat them, hung with them. And here we are, Utah at home, tough place to, to play. We all know that. But 17 and a half points, are we sure that quarterback's going to start? I'm just saying, look into that, do a little research. Wake Forest just got beat from the eight turnovers in the second half. They're visiting NC State, who has a, a third-string quarterback, I believe, now. The, Wake is favored by five. That should be just, you know, an interesting game. Clemson and Notre Dame, it it appears, unless Louisville can repeat the eight turnovers and a half, it appears that this is the last major test for Clemson of the year on paper. As we know, college football on paper, in reality, you know, two different things. Three and a half point favor at a um, rising and improving Notre Dame squad. Um, What says you about this? Is is this – where they're finally going to go down. I mean, obviously, we still got to see if DJ can bounce back from a, you know, a horrible game. Um, and it's at Notre Dame Stadium, too. It's not, you know, it's in Indiana. It's not like at Soldier Field or something like that. Um, but you like Clemson in this game, or can we get an upset? Because six undefeated teams, it, it, they're not going to be six undefeated at the end of the year. God, I hope Notre Dame wins. I, I'm I've never been a Notre Dame guy, but I would yeah, love to I see Dabo that lose. Alone just sends, you know, <laughs> chills through my body. I, and I, it's not something I enjoy saying, but I, I don't, I can't stand Dabo. And I think, Chris, I think his stubbornness could cost him the game. Uh, that that, and again, he ugulele, ugulele, ugulele. He's, he's had a better year, but. He really, he really did almost cost a perfect season because he he really did struggle against um in their uh, well in their game two weeks ago. Um, so just dude, you're go, you're going on the road. Um, you're playing a, a Notre Dame team who has highs and lows, but is a respectable squad. And again, what is Clemson showing us like to show that you know they? I I think I think the being favored on the road's a, a bit crazy. I, I guess you could say Notre Dame has struggled at times this year, but overall, I just I, I think this game. I think this game is a legit coin flip, and my bias this is against Dabo. Um, but I mean, hey, at Wake Forest, uh, Clemson won in uh, overtime by six uh, against the Wolfpack. They won by ten at home. 
you beat Florida State by six at Florida State. Like, almost all of their close games have been a single-digit game for a win. A win. So, and, and Syracuse last week, you were down big. You had to bench the quarterback. But now, dad, you know, Dad was like, well, Stephen Curry's a shooter, and he misses his shots tonight, so we're back to DJ this next week. Well, Those if you're down at – better on offense, too. That was their biggest issue ever since they went to that pain or whatever. No, not pain, but their, their backup was done really, you know, a lot better. And if you're down at half again, do you bench him again? Like, is that become a routine? Like, I don't know. Um, but I think Notre Dame has a great chance. Um, again, I think it's a coin flip game, but hey, you're at Notre Dame. This could be really the win they need to kind of give that head coach Freeman kind of a, a bit of a boost. I, I, I'm, I'm sure they probably were pretty ticked off the way the season started with those uh, back-to-back losses and losing to Stanford, which definitely was not supposed to happen. But you just beat you beat Syracuse, who's a, a respectable team. So yeah, I, I'll pick the Irish to win. As much as as weird as that sentence is for me to say, I, I'm not picking Dabbas. So. I hope Notre Dame pulls off the win, and that would for sure eliminate Clemson from being any talks of making the Final Four. Has Dabo had a press conference about him leaving college football now that players are getting paid? Or no? I, I, that, 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 that was a huge talking point of his, and it's out. weird how he, he's still making a very handsome salary, well, but, I, yeah, okay. I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll keep you boasted on that. Yeah, we will. Ready to sign a petition and say, my players can't be paid. Um, Oregon State jumps up in the top 24 for now at Washington State. I got to see if that quarterback's uh, back. But uh, four and a half at home, I have seen some folks saying that Oregon, you know, maybe take Oregon State with the points. Kind of interesting. Maybe Texas Tech can, uh, when there's no pressure at home, they can, you know, some, I mean, it seems like almost anyone could stay close to TCU this year, so maybe that nine and a half points is too much. I don't know. Um, there's a couple other games that are kind of interesting. Kansas at home, Oklahoma State, Kansas have been a lot of tight games. Can they get over the hump? Um, can Memphis pull an upset over, you know, maybe a hungover Central Florida squad who now is ranked at least in the AP? And Liberty opened up as a 14-point underdog to a no-have-an-offense Arkansas. They got offense. They don't have a defense. Um, Arkansas, 13-and-a-half over 7-1 Liberty. Yeah, Liberty hasn't beaten anyone per se. They did come close. I think their one loss was to Wake Forest in a 30-13. 13-and-a-half points. I don't know, man. On one hand, you know, they've been really playing well lately, and they've just been running the hell out of the ball, Arkansas. So I think they can win the game, but that 13.5 points, I don't know, kind of scratching my head thinking I wonder if, uh, you know, they, they, they won't win by 14. I suppose 13.5. So I know we keep having this debate almost weekly now, but is this the week where TCU's – Miracle run comes to an end. Like, are, do you have that letdown spot? Which, okay, maybe you're you're calmed down a little bit. This is not quite as big of a game. You are a nine point favorite against a team who is near the bottom of your division. And I mean, you, you keep. So I guess I'm, what I'm asking, Chris, is are they really a damn good football team? Or which well, I mean, I think they are. But yeah, is this? But, a, they can, great? but can they? Very good, but. Because we, we've seen this happen in college football where we, we could turn this game on and it's going to be Texas Tech 27, TCU 24, fourth quarter. And we do know this TCU defense is not good. No. They're, they're not, they're maybe not OU type bad, but they're not, they're, they're near that series. They're in the same parking lot. So <laughs> can you, can you, can you re- regroup again after a close game in Morgantown? And come out again and win and or possibly cover. Like, is this the final letdown spot? Which I mean, you couldn't blame them. This no matter no matter how this year ends, TCU's had a hell of a year and they got to be happy as hell with a new, with a new head coach. But would you want to take the Red Raiders in this game, or do you think this is another Max Duggan TCU? We're gonna drop forty two points on you and win like forty two to twenty seven or forty two to thirty five. What 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 does your gut say for this one? Is it a potential upset? Potential cover. I'm not going to say okay. upset. I do. Texas Tech can put up points. Like I said, I don't know what the hell happened last week. 
Maybe it's, I'm mad because I had the two and a half at home. <laughs> disgusted with them, but uh, sure. Other than that, I don't know. It really kind of matters, but I do think there is a chance, just because pretty much everybody has a chance to hang with TCU, as we saw last week. So yeah, I mean, I, another game. Well, first of all, the MAC is back during the week, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Amen. Um, Appalachian State in Coastal Carolina. Uh, App is a two and a half point favorite on the road. That should be just, you know, a fun football game. Can Iowa um, beat Purdue as a four and a half point underdog or at least make it tight enough? That's a potential. Kentucky, Missouri, another hardcore barn burner. Kentucky, only favored by two points. Um, that should be a really good game. There, there's a, there, like I said, these are with a single digit point spreads. Baylor, Oklahoma, barely looks like they did last week. They could beat Oklahoma, who's a three-and-a-half point favorite. There's a lot of, like I said, one-point or, or single-digit point spreads. You know, Iowa State, right? Iowa State is favored by seven at home at West Virginia. I mean, we know they're going to play defense, but even when they lose, they don't lose by seven. Um, that that's kind of crazy. Uh, seven points. Not that I like all of a sudden believe in you know West Virginia pulled the upset, but damn, that seems like a a big point spread. But yeah, there there's a lot of interesting games that yeah, you know we only have a handful. I mean we have two, one major matchup and one that's usually a major matchup that we both think is going to be a competitive game in the SEC. Um. But on paper, this could be a sneaker where there's a lot of games that are decided well into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I was kind of looking over the wins and losses, and you pretty much have a lot of teams this week, Chris, playing each other who almost have the same record. So whether that's two and five or four and four or six and three, you know, like it, it should yeah, be a lot of twos. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun games where the point spread is small. And what, you know, and if you're a college football fan, whether it's a, they're both two and six or both six and two. Like, you know, those can turn out to be pretty fun. So, yeah, there are the two, obviously, uh, premier showcase games. But, yeah, for Iowa-Purdue, like, Purdue pretty much, for the most part this year, has put up a good fight in every single one of their games. And if you bet Iowa to win, you're a bit crazy, but there's a chance they could. Their offense has been a little better of late, you could say. Um, Oklahoma... Man, who would have thought they'd be two and three in the Big Twelve this year? Like, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, so if you're if you're Venables, like, dude, this could be a game you kind of need to kind of get the, the the troops going a little bit. Like, this has been a pretty tough first year for a program who has been pretty spoiled, Lincoln Riley and then uh, Bob Stoops prior to pretty much win ten games almost a year, and now you're you're under five hundred in conference. Um, Baylor, you said, you know, they've been kind of up and down throughout the whole year, but this would be kind of a, a big win for either team. Normally, this OU Baylor game would be fighting for a Big Ten, uh, or Big 12, uh, conference championship spot, but that's certainly not the case this year. But yeah, um, for a gambling purpose, Maryland, Wisconsin. I mean, Maryland's having a nice year this year, and Wisconsin got, got rid of their coach. So, I mean, that's, it's a three, a five and a half point spread. Purdue, Iowa's four and a half. Um, Florida versus Texas A&M. Who would have thought that Florida is one and four? A&M's one. They're both one and four in conference. A&M's favored by a field goal. Again, would you want to bet Jimbo's offense at home as a three-point favorite? Yeah. Kentucky, Mizzou. Kentucky's a two-point favorite at Columbia. Ah man, Jesus. Yeah. So even though again the win losses aren't pretty. You got a lot of games where you're, if you get, if you can find a way you like an angle you enjoy, and you're only got to bet a field goal or less, like dude, that 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 should make for a very um a very very fun weekend. Where again, the, the, there's not maybe uh, bold numbers of rankings next to teams, Chris, but we could have a lot of just really fun recaps of a lot of just really solid football games throughout the whole throughout the whole country. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's get into the crafty crappy pick of the week. Through nine weeks, seven and two, we're going bowling. All right, so there were a plethora, a plethora of choices because this week 
as I just said, there are a lot of very, very bad teams playing very bad teams. But nonetheless, I did find a game which I think kind of steals the show. And that is your potential matchup of, damn it, I just had it. Um, Saturday. It is Saturday. Yes, sir. It is a Saturday game. All right. This is a 1 p.m. ESPN Plus kickoff. Um, we're going to the city of Philadelphia, who's been getting way too much sports love for a city I can't really stand. Um, we're actually playing in the Eagles Stadium, Lincoln Financial Field. Woohoo! I, I, I hate them because for multiple reasons, the sports teams, I, I'm not a Philly fan. But nonetheless, okay, the Philadelphia um, Phillies are home tonight. They got rained out, but they're playing football there. It is South Florida Bulls against the Temple Owls. South Florida this year, Chris, is 1-7 with an 0-4 American Conference record. Temple Owls are 2-6. They may be asking for Matt Rule to come back now that Carolina fired him. Um, and they're 0-4 in the conference. So these teams are combined 0-8 in conference and have a combined um, three wins in um, – uh, 16 games. So I'm going to let you kick it off. This is Lincoln Financial Field, 65 degrees. You can get in the door for $10 a ticket. Finally, a, a, a well-priced ticket. USF wow, is minus three over under 51. Take it away, my friend. All right. So obviously the Temple Owls um, can't move the ball to save their life. They're averaging under 300 yards on offense. They, they're averaging 15.5 points per game. And this one, especially in college football, basically 70 – I'm giving them 73 yards, 72.8, but 73 yards are rushing per game. That is horrendous. So, on one hand, you know, South Florida has given up 206 on the ground, which is just horrendous. But are they really that afraid? of, you know, Temple because of that lack of running game. Um, kind of interesting there, but both both teams give up a lot of rushing yards on the ground. 206, 75. Um, so that, that's bad. Now, South Florida is really horrible on defense, 38 a game. Uh, but I will say this, you know, um, they've had some competitive games of late. Um, competitive enough against Houston. Tulane's a good team. They put up 31 on them, lost 45-31. few weeks back, Cincinnati, they almost beat Cincinnati. It was 28-24. to um, Whereas Temple, Tulsa, they, they were competitive with. But pretty, I mean, Central Florida put up 70 on them. And Navy's not the Navy that we normally see, um, you know, in, in – they lost to them in double overtime. Um, they lost to Rutgers, for Christ's sakes. Okay? That's pretty <laughs> bad. So, all in all, I like the competitive nature of late and just, you know, the tougher schedule that has been South Florida. Um, I mean, they played Florida. They played BYU when it looked like BYU was good earlier. They played Louisville, East Carolina, Cincinnati. The list goes on. Although having only one win is always a difficult, you know, thing to pick, I think in this one, although they're only a three-point favorite, that is on the road, and you know Lincoln Field is good. Lincoln Field, Lincoln Financial Field is going to be packed. Uh, I'm going to go with those Bulls, the South Florida Bulls on the road. They've had a lot of squeakers where they've lost. Not this time. They get the job done. What is the what have they who they beat? Oh my goodness! They beat the the Bison from Howard. The Howard Bison is the only game they won. Wow, <laughs> good. But I'm going South Florida, sir. All right, in the famous alumni battle, um, it, it, it is. I, I normally I've enjoyed the famous alumni battles of the last couple of years when I started this, but this year it's been I've been doing myself no favors. Um, for your famous Temple alumni, uh, you kind of have a battle of uh, Bob Saget, uh, Bill Cosby, and the Hall of Notes. Uh, for 
famous South Florida alumni. You got uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, you got Tony La Russa, who definitely had a, a very tough year managing. Um, neither of those, none of these names I've really said have been great. I mean, Hall Notes did make good music, but I'm going to tip the cap to South Florida because I've always been a DeMarcus Cousins fan and his brother played college basketball there. So in honor of South Florida and Boogie Cousins' brother, I'm joining my co-host with the Bulls. Go USF, get your job done, get your second win of the year, and let's move that record to 8-2 and two for the boys on the crafty crap pick of the week. And if you if you want if you want cash tickets, I'm just we're seven and two. If you like money, if you I, do, you know, pretty much would be up five units like everybody likes. And if you've paid your mortgage off for the last couple of months from this segment, uh, feel free to send the boys a check. I will gladly I will gladly accept the Venmo. Venmo cash app. <laughs> uh, just hand it to me. I'll, I'll I'll drive somewhere for a big yeah, check. Wherever, dude. You know, we'll Uber. We'll Uber. Uber. On that note, <laughs> the the boys are out. It should be a great week. Another crazy week of Big 12 football. That's a guarantee in life for this year. And I hope you have a great night. Um, yes. And we got football for the next 25 straight days. It's a beautiful thing. We're out tonight. Have a good one. Peace.